Welcome to the Healthy Doctor Podcast, where we host conversations about physician well-being. I'm Dr. Steve Sartori, Director of the Center for Well-Being at the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. According to the medical literature, participating in medical missions or other global health opportunities can advance physician well-being. My guest on this episode is Dr. Andy Sanders, who is well-qualified to address this topic. Dr. Sanders is an internal medicine physician in Augusta, Georgia. A graduate of the University of Maryland Medical School, he completed his residency at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. He served in the military, including time in Saudi Arabia during Desert Storm, before entering private practice. Dr. Sanders has been an innovator and leader in Christian ministry for most of his career, both at home and abroad. In Augusta, Georgia, he started Bible Study Fellowship and a CMDA local group, serving many years as leader of both of those ministries. He has led more than 40 medical teams to some of the most underserved regions of the world. Most recently, he has worked in Macedonia to help improve the healthcare system in that country, and he has also been involved in Serbia in a medical project there that is seeing great growth. He and his wife Eileen have been married 40 years and have five children and 11 grandchildren. I invite you to listen in on my conversation with Dr. Sanders about the intersection between missions and well-being. Andy, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Healthy Doctor Podcast. Well, thank you, Steve. It's a true pleasure for me to be on here with you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andy. As you know, uh, there is research that even shows that service and global medicine and medical missions can actually be beneficial to our well-being as physicians. I know you have experience in that, so I would invite you to share a bit about your experience in global medicine. There, of course, is a lot that I could say. In terms of well-being, it has been an absolute delight in our life uh, these years that I'm going to be describing and an absolute delight in my, my wife's life and our life together and even our family's life as they pray and think and talk and, and this has identified us in such a powerful way to our children. So it's been, it's been, a, uh, it's been a blessing and truly has been a benefit in our life. And it's not why we did it, but it's been a great benefit. So our life changed probably about eight or nine years ago, and some circumstances that I think we're going to talk about led to some changes, and we found ourselves in Macedonia, where we would live for six months out of the year and run what turned out to be a project that we did with CMDA. Before Macedonia, I'd had the privilege of the GHO leadership, and I had led maybe about 40 teams to countries around the world, but doing the type of work I was used to doing, being a physician, I'm an internal medicine physician, and uh, leading medical teams to you know, villages and taking care of patients, you know, the way we do on the, on the GHO teams. But I had never done something like what we were about to do and really didn't feel like I was the right person to do it, but it's really what God had. And that was finding myself in Macedonia in partnership with the Minister of Health of that country, and it was kind of a high-level project that got started. I was often on the news and on TV and having these press conferences with a bank of microphones in front of you and 20 or 30 reporters all looking at you. 
be sitting there with the Minister of Health and be thinking to myself, just now, how, how, did, how did I get here again? And the project with the Minister of Health turned out to be to bring American physicians to Macedonia to mentor, to work with, to train, to build relationships, to help the physicians in Macedonia. That was a project for the minister. He knew that we were Christians. He knew that I was connected with CMDA, but they were interested in American physicians coming and being a help in whatever way they could be to the colleagues and the, and the medical leaders of the country. And then the ministry is that we would, we would provide to the country a, a medical product of exceeding excellence, that we would labor hard, that this would be the most helpful medical work that they'd ever seen taking place in their country. It would be the best project the Minister of Health had ever been uh, part of. But that that would be the foundation for bringing the gospel, that these American doctors would be coming who love Jesus, who want to proclaim Christ, and they would build relationships with the head of cardiac surgery, with interventional cardiologists, with dermatologists, with psychiatrists, all different specialties, and build those relationships, meet with residents, have coffee, get in homes, and on the basis of those relationships, be able to share their love for Christ and to explain the gospel to these medical leaders that in this country have never, most of them have never clearly heard the gospel presented before. So that took place for in our lives for about five or six years, and about 300 doctors came from America. I would direct the project. Again, this is it's like I'm not an academic physician. I'm not some high-level American doctor. And this is why I just seem like, well, it just doesn't seem like I'm, the, like I'm the right person for this. But I would go into all these different hospitals. I'd meet with all the different specialists, find the ones that were eager for help and for partnership and for building relationships. I would share with them a vision about the American doctors coming and how they could impact their specialty and talk about how could we help and what could we do together. And, and then because it was a, a gospel ministry, then you want as many doctors to hear the gospel as possible. So I would travel around the country, get in into all the different hospitals. I would have a government driver. I'd have all the authority of the Ministry of Health and, um, and, and get into all the hospitals and just be praying that God would give us the connections um, and the partnerships around the country that he would want us to have. So our doctors ended up working in about eight or nine cities in hospitals scattered all around Macedonia, um, Muslim hospitals, Muslim cities, non-Muslim cities, and it was just wonderful to live there, to be in the culture, to have hundreds of relationships get formed, to see our doctors being such wonderful witnesses for Christ, to see hearts turned, many eager to know more, and some coming to true saving faith in Jesus Christ and on the platform of being who we are as physicians, just being able to come and teach and mentor colleagues. So that was our life in Macedonia. I, I, I know Macedonian and Cyrillic kind of well, and it was difficult, challenging. I was attacked sometimes in the news, and it was, I've never been attacked before. So there were some dark times and some difficult times, but it was truly a blessing in our life. It still is. We go there two months out of the year now. Still a blessing in our lives and um, a blessing in our marriage, like I said, in our family. Well, Andy, you had uh, quite an opportunity there. You're in a high-profile position. You're providing excellence in medicine. You're intersecting with high authorities, with residents, with academics, with doctors, and yet uh, you felt like many throughout Scripture, 
how did I end up here? I'm not the right person for this. What am I doing in front of all these microphones? And you told, <laughs> exactly. you told me, you said, we found ourselves in Macedonia. Now, when you said that, I said, people don't just wake up and find themselves in Macedonia. There's a story or a journey that took you <laughs> to Macedonia. So I would like to ask you, what was it that led to you getting to finding yourself in Macedonia? I was a Christian physician, and with, with my Christian physicianship, I had my Christian physician thoughts and my Christian physician plans, and they were pretty well laid out, and I had a, a real expectation for how my Christian physician life was going to go for the next 20 or 30 years. And God really changed that dramatically from what my plans had been. And I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about a parable, but I'm going to say something first that really preceded this parable. The parable is going to talk about a treasure and the importance of this, this thing called a treasure and the way this treasure became so important in our journey to Macedonia. But before that, let me just say, the first step, and it was a really clear first step that started this journey, was a verse. I was, it was kind of in the late 1990s, and I was... I was a Christian physician. I wasn't connected with CMDA um, at the time. I was a teaching leader for a ministry called Bible Study Fellowship that we started in Augusta. So I was kind of involved in ministry, and I just wanted to keep doing what I was doing. I wanted to keep being a doctor in my practice and keep leading, keep being a teaching leader in Bible Study Fellowship. And then one night I was in Boston at a medical meeting, and I came home really different than my wife had seen me before because of a verse I read one night in my hotel in Boston. And the verse is in Hebrews 4.1. And uh, at least in our journey, God really uh, used this verse in a dramatic way. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any of you may seem to have come short of it. So it seems like a benign verse, but God used it to really put a wedge in our life that evening. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any of you may seem to come short of it. So my thoughts that night in the hotel room in Boston were the, um, this verse is being written about the, the Israelites having the 40 years in the wilderness and not entering Canaan, the place called their rest. And, uh, and the writer says, now let that story of the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, you know, let that even cause you to be fearful, lest their, their story become your story. And the concern was talking to those Israelites at the end of the 40 years and saying, well, how is life? And they go, it's been a good life. And we had no wars and battles, and, and uh, our clothes still looked brand new, and we had everything given to us by God and from God. And um, we had a tabernacle. We've been real busy at church and ministries, and every day has been full. It's been a great life. What do we miss? But we would know from the pages of Scripture that what they missed was this incredible offer to be in partnership with God for the building of his kingdom. And uh, they had a nice life, but they missed this, this unimaginable gift of being in partnership with God for God's, God's eternal glory. This God who needs nobody to be in partnership with him, but he chose them to use them to advance his kingdom, and they missed, and they missed that. And they failed to enter the rest. And the place of rest was, a, was Canaan, the place of battle and blood and spears and, and swords. It doesn't sound like a rest, but that rest isn't inactivity, but rest is being in partnership with God for his glory. 
So those were my thoughts that night. So it just led me to come back from Boston with a little shift in focus, but it turned out to be a huge shift because I started saying things that I never said before in my life. And I'd say, Lord, I don't want to build a Christian life when you want me to build your kingdom. I don't want the focus of my life to lead a nice Christian life in the wilderness when you want my family in Canaan where you're building your kingdom in the world today. You know, use us, whatever this means, I don't even know what it means, but use us for your glory, use us for the building of your kingdom. So there was just a little shift. I'd never had really said those things before. It was really never the focus of our prayers. So I came back with those thoughts, and, and it led us on this journey. About a year later, I, I left Bible Study Fellowship and started CMD in Augusta, Georgia, and left my practice and cut things way down and started this ministry work with CMDA and all the GHO ministries and so forth. And then for, for Macedonia, well, can I, can I mention that parable right now, Steve? Sure, please do. I'm sitting here thinking about your night in Boston, a man at a medical meeting, he gets hit by this verse, it speaks to his heart, he goes home a different person, and, and then you've got another piece of scripture that's very instrumental to all of us. Yes. And I'll just say, in terms of hitting us that night, it just really did. I came home, I, I asked my wife, I said, Honey, I don't know what it means to build God's kingdom. I don't know what it means. So don't trust me. I will lead our family to a nice Christian life in the wilderness and think it's right. I said, just let's seek God together. I said, why don't we get together with these two other couples and pray every month that God will use us for the building of his kingdom in, in the world today, whatever that means. That, that I mean, just keep doing what we're doing. We're not asking for a different assignment we're just asking for his assignment. So, so we started meeting every month, praying. I said we were going to get on our knees and pray for an hour that God would take us however he wants for the Canaan work of today. So we did that. And then um, it, it turns out at the end of that year, we sold our house, which we loved, and downsized. We didn't need a big doctor salary and then um, kind of started this, this journey that we've been on. Well, then the um, parable is in Matthew 13. But in that list of kingdom parables in Matthew 13, one of them was the man is walking across the field, and then it says this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. This is verse 44. Which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So when I read that verse, and when I read that verse years ago thinking about this, um, I, I get pictures in my mind when I read, and I just kind of imagine. And so I imagine going up to this man that found the treasure, but going up to him a day before the parable and, uh, and seeing his house and seeing his field and seeing his oxen and seeing all the things he has and saying, boy, I love those things you have. Can I have them? The guy says, no, you can't have them. He says, I'll, I'll buy them from you. He says, I love these things. I will never let them go. This was my father's. This was my grandfather's. I've worked hard for these things. No, you can't have them. And then I picture being persistent, wanting to buy his stuff, and, he's, and he just, with pain, he says, okay, I'll let this go. If you want everything so much, you know, you can have this, but no more. And then just with difficulty, he lets something go, and I buy something from him. And then I picture in my mind seeing him the day after the parable, and I'm just, I'm just puzzled and bewildered because everything's gone. And he's full of joy. His house, his oxen, everything are gone. And saying to him, what happened? <laughs> he said, and you look so joyful. Everything is gone. He said, yeah, isn't it great? 
said, what do you mean? And two days ago, you would have, I couldn't get you to let go of anything. What happened from when I saw you? He said, well, something happened since I saw you last, and, and that something is I, I found a treasure. And the point for that to me has been that we're called to, to uncover the treasure, the treasure of Christ, the treasure of, of the glory of God, the treasure of being in partnership with him for the building of his kingdom. And this treasure, we're called to, to uncover it more and more, to see it more and more, and to desire and to be captivated by this treasure. And as in the history of the world, there is transforming power in treasure. When people get captivated by worldly treasures, they'll do anything. They'll trek across Africa. They'll do anything for treasure. There's this power in treasure, but even more so for this eternal treasure. It will just completely change a life, and that Christians are not supposed to live their life. I'm not supposed to live my life, live my life the day before the treasure, where I say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sacrifice. It's hard, but I'm going to go. It's, it's challenging. It's painful, but I'm going to let this go, and I'll try to let this go, and I'll grip my teeth a little bit more, and I'll do this. And, and instead of living the day before the parable, to see the treasure and to do because of the power of the treasure in our heart with joy what we could have never done the day before the treasure. I've certainly, certainly tried to live some of my Christian life the day before the treasure, where it's just my effort, it's my gritting my teeth. But boy, when you get captivated by the treasure, by God's grace, and I've, I'm sure I've only seen a little bit of it, but the little bits I've seen have made me say yes with joy to all sorts of things that I could have never said yes with joy to before. So I think that's been a big part of this journey is, is, is focusing on the treasure. Before I say one more thing about Macedonia, can I share one other verse from this period of time in my life? Yes, of course. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, these were, all, these were all just doctor thoughts in the middle of a doctor practice trying to do ministry and trying to make sense, and my mind just swirled for a number of years over all this. I was in a hotel room one night, really thinking about leaving my practice and coming on board with CMDA and struggling with it, and Philippians 3.8 made a big impact, and it's the same thing sort of about treasure. Paul's in prison, and I picture myself in this verse saying, Paul, I'm thinking about this big step of ministry. I'm thinking about my life ahead. Could you give me some advice about ministry? You know, I know you're at the end of your life, and it's been a great ministry, and could you, I'm just, I've got pages, notebooks, I'm ready to take notes. Could you tell me about ministry and give me some advice? And Paul says in, in that verse, he said, it's all worth it. He says, it's been grace. He says, now, I've suffered the loss of all things. But he said, but you know, what I've suffered is nothing. It's just dung. It's worthless compared to what I've received. And then I pictured saying to Paul, oh, I know what you mean. Thousands have come to Christ. It's all worth it because thousands have come to Christ. It's worth it because you've planted dozens of churches, maybe hundreds. It's, it's all worth it because so many lives have been impacted and changed. You've written some really good letters that maybe will get published one day. I can see why you would say it's all worth it. And Paul goes, no, 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 no. He says, it's all worth it because I've gained Christ. I go, really? So that was the treasure that you've had all this time. He says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. 
I remember praying that night in the hotel room when I read that verse, saying, really, Lord, is that the reason for ministry? That you don't need me to do these works, but you're calling me to know you more fully than I would have ever known you if I had not stepped out. And if that's the reason for the call, then my answer is yes, that I might know you more fully and gain Christ more fully. So then, can I just segue really quick now? we got to Macedonia. It all kind of ties together. Sure, bring it in. Bring it home. <laughs> all right. So we're um, coming back from a GHO mission trip to Nepal or Bangladesh, someplace where I had been with the team. And I have a conversation with somebody in the airport about, about God's kingdom, about the value, the treasure of God's kingdom, treasure of being, seeing God's glory extend in the world. And just having a statement with somebody in the airport on the team, you know, if there are, if there are places, they don't have to be geographic places, it could just be a, our hospital. But if there are places where God's kingdom has not advanced, where his glory has not advanced, which there are, and if it's God's heart and desire for his kingdom to advance, which it is, and if we can go, then we should go. Whether it's overseas or to this hospital or to this neighborhood, we should go. And if we should go, then we should prepare to go and seek the Lord. So so anyway, I just said, well, why don't we start another prayer group and meet every month that God would open a door for the advance of his kingdom and his glory, and send us. You know, we're inadequate. All we are is a group of little doctors, and we don't have some big agenda, but why don't we just really seek the Lord to open a door where the gospel has not advanced, and just pray, be very intentional that he would send us. So we met every month and studied the nations. We studied scripture. We studied missions. We studied preparing to go, and just praying, just kind of just raising our hand and saying, Lord, just, you know, would you please open a door and send us? So we prayed for two years, um, we didn't focus on any part of the world, and it could have been that God just said to stay where we were, or He could open up a door. And really, without any advanced planning, we never talked. We never said the word minister of health. We never had any big ideas. We just the, the big idea was God's glory in His kingdom, and a small group of doctors wanting God to use us and open a door. And a few years later, we got a phone call from somebody from Macedonia, of all places asking us to come with them and explore a possibility with a parliament member there. It was just out of the blue. And we thought, well, maybe this is from the Lord. And then we went there. Our little prayer team went once, and it seemed like God's hand was in it. We had no idea of any project or what we could ever do in that country. We tried to think of some maybe thoughts of what we could do. And uh, I ended up actually having surgery prostate cancer and uh, kept me out for about nine months but about nine months later it was all recovered and we went back a second time and then the second time the minister of health heard that there was an american doctor in scopia and the prime minister had just charged him with getting american doctors to help them and i was there and the minister of health asked to have a formal meeting with me and i had this formal meeting and i felt during the meeting i felt to my and I said to myself, doesn't he know who I am? I'm nobody. <laughs> this makes no sense. I should not be meeting with a minister of health of any nation. And that's when he asked, he said, well, Dr. Sanders, would you be willing to direct this project with me? And then it led to hundreds of U.S. doctors, the gospel being proclaimed all over the, the country, doctors coming to Christ, just things we had never imagined. So, so that's it. And with it, again, I've, I was, I've been attacked. There were some dark times, but oh, what, what a joy it's been. And what, if, 
if I wanted well-being for my life, I would say that it had led to just amazing well-being in my life and my wife's life and our marriage and our family. Andy, uh, I don't need to ask you the question I was going to ask you, which you've already answered about the impact on well-being. It's evident in the joy in your voice, your conviction. You have challenged me to think about what side am I on? Where where am I living? There's treasure there to be had. Am I moving into that treasure? Am I holding on to the things that are counterfeit treasures? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And where is my heart? It's a heart examination, and you have really challenged me. I'm, I'm thinking how many doctors are where you were, living a nice Christian life, according to your particular plan, mapped out. Not a bad life, really. Uh, living in the wilderness with a very nice Christian life. But what else is more? And the fact that you were able to meditate on Scripture twice in a hotel room, I guess getting alone with God is an important step, but letting that Scripture speak not just to your mind, but to your heart, and then answering the call of your heart to pursue the kingdom of God, His glory, walk into that and experience the real treasure, Christ himself. Thank you for sharing all of that. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. It's just a blessing for me to even just recount it to myself. Well, I'm glad we gave you the opportunity because it has not only blessed you, it will bless many. So thanks and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, my brother, so much. I have found Dr. Sanders' words very challenging personally. Do I want to live my nice Christian physician life? Do I want to live in the wilderness when there's a treasure that's yet to be had, and that treasure is Jesus? These words are challenging for all of us as physicians. I'm not sure what your takeaway is, but I challenge you to think about that. If you are interested in experiencing the joy of serving abroad, Visit cmda.org slash MEI for information about academic opportunities or visit cmda.org slash GHO for clinical opportunities. At the CMDA Center for Wellbeing, we help healthcare professionals align with God, optimize well-being, and maximize influence. For more information, visit cmda.org slash wellbeing. If you are interested in hosting a well-being retreat or you need a speaker for your meeting or event, Email wellbeing at cmda.org. If you want help managing burnout, navigating change or transition, or growing your leadership skills, a CMDA coach can help. Visit cmda.org coaching. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Healthy Doctor. Tune in again next month, and until then, care for yourself as you care for others. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.